Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello, and thank you for checking out the podcast. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. How lucky am I that this lovely individual has joined us in studio? It's been too long. Amanda Nash, who is the health promotion and nutrition manager for Heart and Stroke, is uh, here in studio with me. Good to see you. Thank you. It's so great to be back, Kathy. Yeah, been too long. February is Heart Health Month. That's right. Yeah. And uh, we want to talk a little bit about vaping, and we're going to talk about uh, heart-mind connection in just a moment as well. But... Heart and Stroke has some very big concerns when it comes to vaping. Tell us about them. Yeah, you've got it. So when we look at vaping, and and just to provide some clarity, oftentimes e-cigarettes, um, vaping, they're used interchangeably. Um, so when we're looking at vaping, it's really becoming um, quite an epidemic for youth in particular. And so we're seeing a whole new generation um, that is becoming addicted to, addicted to nicotine because of the increase in vaping. And so even just looking at you know one year period of time um, among youth, vaping skyrocketed by 74%. That is absolutely incredible. It's a huge concern. We also know, aside from some of the health concerns related to vaping, vaping can also be a gateway to tobacco use and also to cannabis use. So it's a really big concern for us. Well, and, and I touched on that just before you uh, came in about, you know, that there are I have some family friends who have some concerns about kids and marijuana use with the vaping, which I didn't even know was a thing that you could do that in this province now, but apparently you can. Mm-hmm. And so when we know um, not only is vaping a, a gateway for, for cannabis, but also there have been some cases in the States where we have seen um, lung-related injury because of people who are vaping THC. So I would imagine, Amanda, things like flavors... Uh, not a good thing when you're trying to discourage kids in particular from staying away from vaping. You're right. And industry is being a little bit sneaky and they're really targeting youth through aggressive marketing, um, through attractive product design that's that's aimed right towards our youth. And then also those enticing fruit and candy flavors. And so that is something that we really do urge government to take action on and, and looking at a federal government implementation of a comprehensive flavor ban um, so that we can um, you know prevent those vape products from enticing youth to try because we know that the flavors is what get the youth to try, and then the nicotine is what keeps those youth using that product, because nicotine is um, one of the most highly addictive substances. Um, And so if we look at just a single use, in one use, nicotine is going to be more addictive than cocaine, more addictive than alcohol or cannabis. Don't I know it. Uh, but, But what do you say to those people? Because I remember when the vaping industry just got underway in this province in in particular about five years ago, where Amanda, you know, a lot of them were touting the fact that this was a safer alternative than cigarette smoking. Yes, and so um, that is actually true. When we look at the harms, the harms of tobacco products and that um, that combusted tobacco product is going to be higher than that of the vaporized product from the e-cigarette. But we do know that e-cigarettes are not without risk. So if you are youth, if you're a non-smoker, or if you are an ex-smoker who has already quit, it is not recommended that you use vaping products. 
Now, I want to remind you that it took years and years to understand the health risks of cigarettes. And now when we look at e-cigarettes and vaping, we have very limited evidence and limited experience around this. And so some health professionals are estimating that it will take you know, another 10 to 20 years to have conclusive evidence that can show us the consequences, understand the health risk, and any potential benefit of using vape product. Well, and I mean, cigarettes, a, a case in point. Right. I mean, for how long uh, they were thought of uh, as an, uh, something that was innocuous and, you know, no problem, no harm, no foul. And then mm-hmm. after the research came in, wow. And it's not just the nicotine that we're looking at. There's things that we just don't understand yet when it comes to the vape because of the lack of evidence. And um, if we look at those e-solutions or the e-juice, which is um, the component that, that gets vaporized in the in the vape, um, there are multiple chemicals that have been linked to lung damage. Metals uh, can be released. Trace elements of the metals can be released from the heating coil, which can cause an inflammatory response. It can decrease your blood flow and potentially stiffen your your arteries. Um, we also know there's a silica in the wick, which has shown health effects as well, and then different chemicals in the flavorings. So there's multiple different areas that may have a, a health risk that we need more evidence around. Well, and, and lots of study is, is certainly underway, but let's talk in particular uh, that vaping has been shown to be linked to both respiratory and cardiovascular disease. Talk to us about that. Yep. So we know that we have seen that link between vaping and respiratory disease um, with increased blood pressure as well. And we're also seeing a trend that people who are using vape as a cessation tool tend to be dual users. So it's actually the most common pattern of use in Canada is people vaping and smoking. And unfortunately, that does increase your risk even higher because you have that increased risk from the tobacco product and then you have the increased risk from the vape product. So that's where we do see an increased risk for heart disease. Wow. Okay. Uh, Definitely something to think about and especially parents. If if they have thought that the the kids using an e-cigarette or a vape well, it could be worse. They could be smoking. Well, no, actually. It, 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 the fact is they need to be worried if their kids are smoking. And we're vapes. seeing that pattern of use that's so different than cigarettes. So with a cigarette, you may go once every few hours and have a cigarette. With vaping, it's small. Some of the different vape products, like a, a, what's called a pod, doesn't have a huge vapor cloud. So you're using these consistently throughout the day. So it's a completely different type of nicotine delivery. Right. And the nicotine content is quite a bit higher. Um, we know that just uh, one of those pods, for example, can have about 50 59 milligrams per ml of nicotine, which is equivalent to way more than even a, than a pack of cigarettes. Wow. And and when you think about, because I, I've seen it with, with some of my friends, I mean, these vapes become like a soother. They're constantly mm-hmm. hauling on them and... Uh, yeah, that can be well, a Well, it's just problem. like you mentioned before, like people, you don't know the risk until you know. And and so it's educating yourself about what you're using and why you're using it and how you can do that properly. So I said, we have to have you back next month because uh, next month is nutrition month and uh, you are all about nutrition. I love it. <laughs> uh, we love it too. But talk to us real quick, uh, if you could, Amanda, about the mind-heart connection. 
Yeah, so we're seeing more research now that's showing us that that interconnection between the brain, the mind, the heart is stronger than we ever knew before. And so when I talk about the mind, I'm talking about something called vascular cognitive impairment. And so things like dementia, for example. Um, And so what that means is that if you have one vascular condition, for example, a, a, a type of heart disease, you're at an increased risk for another vascular condition like a stroke or dementia. And so because we know these are interconnected, we're really looking at breaking down those silos. And instead of working individually with different conditions, let's work at them together and and look at them in, in the big picture. But what it also tells us is that prevention is now more important than ever before. Right. Um, so when we're looking at things like tobacco reduction, which we've been talking about, when we're looking at things like healthy eating um, and nutrition, it's more important now than ever before to look at your lifestyle factors because 80% of premature heart disease and stroke can be prevented through lifestyle factors. And like you said, next month, March is nutrition month. So what what better time than to uh, to take a look at, at what you're eating and the foods that you really enjoy and want to eat more of that, that are um, healthier for you? Great idea. And, and that's why we need to have you back because we're going to talk a lot about that next month. But Amanda, it is February. It is heart month. If people want to make a donation, how do they do that? You just have to visit our website at www.heartandstroke.ca. Good to see you. Thank you. Always full of information and we love it. Uh, Today's pink t-shirt day and um, we've talked a little bit about that throughout the day today here on CJOB and uh, pink shirt day has really kind of been uh, something that has been targeted to to young people in particular and what it is is you know just to make them aware of bullying and you know the anti-bullying measures that are some places now being put into into place much later than perhaps uh, they should have been. But uh, our next guest, who is, uh, you know, happens to be close and dear to my heart because <laughs> she named, her name is Kathy. Uh, Kathy Majowski from the Canadian Network for the Prevention of Elder Abuse says we need to look at a bigger picture when it comes to Pink T-Shirt Day. Good to have you in studio. Thanks for having me, Kathy. Sometimes I, I say some of the best conversations off the air <laughs> happen. We should have just had our, our last conversation on the air. So I'm going to try and... Uh, and and uh, talk about what we were discussing off the air, and that is this whole big picture of elder abuse. And it's it's almost something, uh, Kathy, that a lot of people don't want to talk about, and and you know they want to push off and say, no, 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 that's not happening. Yeah, the awareness piece, we're, we're seeing it gain steam and we're, we're hearing things. There are different campaigns that are going around. We talk about financial abuse, um, physical, emotional abuse. Um, all of those conversations, they're, they're starting to gain some traction. Um, in my three or four years working with the CNPEA, um, I've, I've definitely seen a shift, a shift in the conversation and how often I'm seeing uh, discussions about elder abuse and people beginning to recognize that this is a very real problem. And the reason we don't know more about it is because it's very underreported. Yeah. And, and, and we just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And, and abuse takes many shapes and forms. And, you know, especially given the fact that, A, we have an aging population, and I think that a good chunk of the people listening this afternoon, uh, Kathy, are dealing with an aging parent who perhaps they've had to put into assisted living or supportive housing or even a, a nursing home. 
Talk to me about the different kinds of abuse, because it's not what we traditionally think of, you know, a push or a shove or even a a nasty word. Yes. So when we're talking about, in particular, bullying, um, the CNPA, we partnered up with uh, a local organization here. So CNPA is is pan-Canadian. We're working with A&O Support Services for Older Adults here in Manitoba on this campaign, uh, recognizing really that bullying is when we think of bullying, I think we generally go to the pushing, the shoving, the stealing your lunch money, right. that kind of stuff that, that comes to mind very easily. But it's also the the gossip, the cliques, yeah. the, you know, people talking behind your back and, and you turn around and, they, and they're laughing. You know, those are, again, things that we maybe recognize a little bit more in our, in, in, in younger populations. But when we're talking about congregate living settings, so those assisted living, those 55 pluses, um, supportive housing and long-term care, we have to recognize that this is a, a large group of people that are coming together with different personalities and different challenges, different losses or, or changes in their lives, and which puts them at risk for either getting bullied, witnessing bullying, or even in, in some cases becoming the bully. And if that awareness piece isn't there, if they're not recognizing that what they're doing is potentially damaging, then how are they going to stop? So we're going to talk about how we get that message out in just a moment. But how do you recognize if someone's being bullied or abused, in a, an elderly person? There are so many subtle signs. It's What it comes down to is creating an environment, whether it be a personal one-on-one relationship or whether it be an, a more formal environment in, in a facility of openness. So having that, that the capacity, the person is, is able to come to somebody, trust somebody to say, I'm not feeling comfortable with this situation. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that in, in some of the, the congregate living settings, those policies and the procedures are not in place to address these issues. So people don't want to come forward because the idea is, well, if I come forward, what, what good is it going to do? Right. Right. I saw my friend come forward and nothing happened, nothing changed. Mm-hmm. So making sure that there is that support within the environment, regardless of what the living environment is, having some sort of support. And for family members, it's having those conversations. How are you doing? And digging deeper after they say fine. <laughs> right? Yep, yep. Because we do. We, when we hear fine, we just kind of go, okay, and we move on. Right. right? But actually, you know, when we're, we're talking about our, our parents, our older adults in our lives that have, have gone through a lot of changes, really taking time for those deeper conversations. So mm-hmm. how are you liking the new place? Are you making friends? You know, exploring that fine well, and, and very few of us uh, are going to end up uh, spending our final days in our own home. Let's be honest. I mean, the, the vast majority of us will end up, as you say, in a setting where we are sharing our living space with, with several others. So uh, it is important that this word gets out. So how do we get the word out, Kathy? Really explaining and, and identifying what bullying looks like. So it, they've done a really great job. Pink Shirt Day and the anti-bullying campaigns that are going on out there and our school systems. And now we're even the conversation is moving into bullying in the workplace. Yes. Right. So we're seeing different different policies coming up. We're seeing different um, measures being put in place to support kids, uh, teens, young adults, even going into adulthood. But those it, it has not translated to our older adults as strongly. And we're talking a generation of people that 
probably didn't grow up talking a lot or even recognizing what bullying was. It was kids will be kids. <laughs> yep. And that's just, that, that was the beginning, middle, and end of it. So they may have experienced it in their lives, but never were never able to put a word to it. Right. So recognizing that our older adults need the same messages that we're giving to the younger generations, um, just shaped in a different way, something that is appropriate for that generation. So thinking about... You know, somebody moving into a uh, a 55-plus apartment. Yeah. They've potentially suffered some losses in their lives. They've, they've lost a home. Uh, they've had to make some changes. The spouse, maybe. The spouse. Uh, so they may be some community supports. They may have lost some friends, some social supports. And now they're in a brand-new environment, and it's almost like going to a new school. Yeah. Right? Where yep. you have to make friends. You're introducing yourself. You're, you're trying to fit in somewhere. There's already an established group there, so how do you how do you have those conversations that maybe aren't as familiar as they used to be while dealing with those losses and potentially grief and potentially negative feelings? I mean, some people are are quite happy, right, to to move into a, a more supported environment, and that's fantastic. But we do have to recognize that there there is sometimes a level of loss underneath that. Absolutely. Uh, and, and not everybody is, is happy for sure. So how, what about teaching strategies to staff? Because to me, this is as equally important as it is to getting this word out. Uh, you know, the, the staff that works in these facilities, they've got to know. Mm-hmm. The conflict resolution. And that's, we, we hear that term a lot and it's used more as interpersonal. Right. Like conflict resolution skills. What can you do for yourself? But those skills need to be translated for our our staff that are working in the front lines um, that see this kind of behavior. They need to have a clear trajectory of what they need to do. Okay, I've witnessed bullying. I'm I'm pretty sure it's bullying. Uh, I'm worried about the people that are involved. What do I do next? And they have to have that clear direction from the facility, from the, the, the company, the organization. What do I do? Who do I talk to? Do I report this? Who do I report this to? Yeah. Right? Because otherwise, you know, if you don't have that clear direction, you're either going to make something up, yeah. right, that may or may not work yeah. and may or may not be effective, or you're just going to go, you know what? Let them sort it out. Yeah. Right? I can't be bothered, mm-hmm. right? I've got a lot to do. And, 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 you know, when it comes to some of our, our uh, seniors residents, you know, that fall under the long-term care association, I mean, there's a pretty good umbrella there. But some of these private companies, and I'm, I'm not throwing shade on the private companies, I'm just saying it's harder to, to get that awareness to them as compared to a government umbrella, right? Well, the standards are going to be different. Sure. Right? When you have that the umbrella of a long-term care um, association here in, in Winnipeg, um, there are certain standards that need to be met. There's there's mandatory training that has to happen. They're, they're keeping on top of, of different trends and topics. Just a few years ago, um, they implemented a, uh, a region-wide suicide prevention policy, right, recognizing that, you know, this was something that was not very talked about in long-term care, right. but it needs to be. So they're able to make those changes, I think, a little bit... Uh, more easily and a little bit more broadly across the, uh, the the different facilities. Whereas when you have the businesses, it's they're running their facilities the way they want to, and there is some oversight, some regulatory oversight, uh, but they decide yeah. on the training and not to the extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I guess 
the first and, and the biggest thing we need to do is create awareness, mm-hmm. right? Always, always have the conversations, be prepared to have the conversations. And if you hear something that sounds like it could be bullying from an older adult in your life, don't back away, right? Actually lean into that conversation and, and continue it. And tell me more about that. What's going on? How are you feeling? Yeah. Right. And explore that a little bit more, because if these policies, if these procedures aren't in place in the facilities, then it is up to um, the more informal supports to be able to step forward and go, OK, my my mom is dealing with something and nothing's being done yeah. and she's sad and she's scared and she's isolating herself in her in her room. And I'm not happy with this. Right. We need to be advocates as well. Right. Recognizing that our older adults sometimes need uh, um, their loved ones to step up. Well, at the end of the day, it's a conversation worth having. And uh, it's at the end of the day, I'm glad that mm-hmm. you were bringing awareness to this because, uh, again, you know, this day is normally known as, you know, anti bullying when it comes to kids, but we need to look at the much bigger picture. And I'm glad that we uh, had a chance to talk to you. Kathy Majowski from the Canadian Network for the Prevention of Elder Abuse. Kathy, if, uh, if somebody has a question they want to reach out to you, how do they do that? You can actually go directly to the uh, the CNPEA website. It's really easy to remember, cnpea.ca. Uh, and we do, it's a bilingual website, and we answer any and all questions uh, about bullying, about elder abuse in all shapes and forms. And we have local resources as well. So it's pan-Canadian, but we have those contacts to all kinds of provincial and territorial resources. Time to get serious. And uh... <laughs> I tell you what, I don't know what was going on, but I was sitting outside the room here and all I heard you guys howling. I, it sounded like a great time. Uh, yeah. You know what? Sometimes you need to have a little fun on a Wednesday afternoon. Uh, this, the sound you were hearing is one of Mr. Paul Bennett, who is, uh, of course, the all-star defensive back uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And uh, great cup uh, winner. We can't, you know, not say that. Uh, speaking of the Blue Bombers, though, you want to tell us a little story? And the yeah, great you know, this was actually, it's pretty interesting, and it really you should draw on your own history. But I was, uh, as a proud member of the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, I was asked to go out to Calgary this year, <clears throat> excuse me, to participate with some of the events and meet the guys, you know, and wear our jackets and feel real good about ourselves, right? Yeah. And I was talking to Damon Allen, and he goes, ooh, he says, I was just at the, uh, the awards, CFL Awards, he says, the Thai cats are cocky. Oh. And just prior to that, I was on a show with Rod Black, and <clears throat> they were asking who I thought was going to win, and I, and I picked Hamilton. Now, for the folks out there, yes, I played for the Bowers, but I did win my <laughs> cup with, uh, with Hamilton, and I'm on the old-time Thai cat team. and all. So I have a little history with the cats. You do indeed. And the cats kicked the Bombers during the regular season here. Yep. But I didn't listen to my own history, and, and if I had a thought the whole deal through, as soon as Damon mentioned the Ticats the Cats were cocky, I went back to which team is most desperate. And back in 86, we were 9-9. Nine and nine. Edmonton was like 15-3 and three or 14-4. and four. We were 17-point underdogs. We had lost two Grey Cups in a row. We were scared crapless to, to lose three in a row. Right. <clears throat> you look now to the Bombers... <laughs> 29 years without winning, a little bit of heat on O'Shea. You know there was a lot of heat on Andrew Harris. Yep. 
And they came out from that first play in the Grey Cup game, and it wasn't even close. So if I had a drawn on my own personal history, I should have picked the Bombers easily and by a landslide. But you know what? Sometimes it just uh, takes a while to learn a lesson. PB, what am I going to do with you? He's wearing a blue bomber hat today. May I just uh, point out? There you out? go. Listen, the reason we have you in studio today is uh, to talk about a little something that's near and dear to my heart in particular, Manitoba Heroes, the program. First of all, tell us, for those who do not know, tell us about it. Basically, we're in an eighth year now. Hard to believe. Wow. 30, yeah. We picked five a year, so 35 Manitobas have been selected as being heroes. Ordinary citizens who do extraordinary things. And we've had really seven wonderful, wonderful events, and we now call it a celebration of community because <clears throat> that's basically what it is. It's emotional. People who are there, they understand it. And what we do is just recognize and reward these special people who are making a difference in our community. So as we head towards our eighth year, and I know we're going to have a wonderful MC in the name of KK. Thank you again for being part of it. Oh, really? <laughs> but what we're trying to do here, KK, is that we want the people out there to nominate their hero. You know, and last year we had, again, five very uh, diverse, inclusive individuals. And I'm going to name them, if you don't mind. Yeah, so Centilla Bub, 22-year-old, Harry Black... Angela Taylor, Jamil Mahood, Richard Walls, and they all they represented organizations such as Voices, Manitoba Youth and Care Network, Pan Am Place, uh, Inspire Community Outreach, Spencer Neighborhood Association, and Red Road Lodge. These are totally diverse and not connected in any way other than helping those who need it most. Yeah. The homeless, the marginalized. You know, those who are, you know, drug, you know, mental health issues, drug addictions. And these are people who have reached a fork in their road, who have gone back now to help make Manitoba and Winnipeg, um, you know, a better and safer place to live. So that's where, that's what we're doing. That's what we, that's what we want well, to recognize. And, and how wonderful is that? Because a lot of times mm. these people don't get the light uh, shined upon them and, and they should because they're doing such incredible work. So if someone is listening this afternoon, Paul, and they know of a hero in their community, province-wide, not just Winnipeg, right. province-wide, how do they nominate that All person? you have to do really is to go to ourmanitobaheroes.ca and just click on nominate a hero. And that's simply it. And, and I will just give a little forewarning, you know, please give some detail because the selection committee that is separate and distinct from our heroes committee, they need to know because they're not going to know who these individuals are. Sure. So please provide some detail, the impact that maybe they've had on your life or the life or the impact they've had on their communities. And that gives our selection committee a much, much better chance of picking these heroes. And then, come the fall, there is a great big Heroes Gala where uh, not only do these people get recognized and celebrated, because it really is a night of celebration, but uh, there's a chance to win some really cool stuff. Well, you no, know, there is. And we, want, we do want to talk a little bit about, can I just jump into what some yeah, of our sponsors do. here? I want to talk about our returning sponsors, because without these people, we're just, we don't have an event. So those coming back this year are Churchill Wild. Richardson International, Quick Card, my buddy Joe Baizeki and his eye for business little deal out there uh, on McCreary Road, and Maximum Wealth. Uh, they've been there with us and keeping this thing going. We've got a new addition this year, and uh, that's Save on Foods is going to uh, come on board and help us out. 
And we were just talking about Phil Reed. Yes. Phil Reed from the uh, Birch Island Resort. It's going to promote, from Manaki, correct? Yeah, you bet. And he's going to provide a fishing trip. And you know more about this than I do. I do. And and uh, for those who like to fish, uh, Phil Reed runs uh, one of the top-notch resorts uh, in Manaki called uh, Reed's Birch Island Resort. He is going to have a trip up for grabs that night. So one of several things that you could win. But really, it's about celebrating that night the winners in our own community, right? Absolutely. And already we have enough nominations to have a wonderful evening. And so we're just, we want people just to get out there, recognize, make the effort to email us and let us know who these people are. Our ManitobaHeroes.ca. PB, we'll have you back in the summer. We'll talk in a little bit about some of the nominations that um, we've had this far or thus far. Uh, Good to see you, sir. Absolutely. It was good to see you. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.